Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are tuning in to a show that's going to help you look at yourself, make some changes, evolve, be a better person in this world, uh, because not everybody can afford therapy. Not everybody has access to therapy. Some people live pretty rural and they don't have people they can see. And and I think everybody really wants to try and grow and change and develop, but they don't always have a path to do so. So the purpose for therapy in a nutshell is to give you some insight and some skills and to help you be the best person that you can be. So I'm Dr. Patty, and today we are going to be talking about change. Now, if you listen to my show here on KCNR, or you listen to my podcast, Dr. Patricia Bay, Therapy in a Nutshell, you will hear me talk about change a lot. And one of the biggest issues that we face with change is that we automatically try to resist it. It's kind of a human condition to not want to do change. Now, we see people who are better at it than others. Um, Some people embrace it. Some people create it, look for it. Uh, They can't handle it if things get too stagnant, so they'll create some drama or some uh, just purposely make things different so that they can have change. But there are a lot of people that hate change. Do you hear yourself or anyone else ever say that? I hate change. I don't want things to change. Why do things have to change? So the issue is, do, do we really hate change or do we just avoid it because we're not in control sometimes when things start rolling and changes start to happen? Is it that we like control or is it that we hate change? That's something to look at. It's There's not necessarily a set answer for that. Um, some people uh, give up control more readily than others. Some people embrace change more readily than others. But it's a, it's a subject that is important for us to look at because when you know how you do change, whether you resist it, whether you embrace it, whether it short circuits you, this is your path to growth. Because if you cannot allow yourself to open up and make changes, what you will do is stay stuck. And that's one of the biggest issues I see in therapy when people come in. They are some form of stuck. Stuck in their trauma, stuck in their emotions, stuck in their belief systems about who other people are and how they behave and what that means. And so that getting stuck really keeps you from growing and changing. So there's some really cool research on change and there's some really neat things written Um There's a great philosopher who's got some really good stuff to say about change. His name is Epictetus. I can never pronounce it. Epictetus. Okay, I'm going to spell it. E-P-I-C-T-E-T-U-S. He is amazing, has some very wise things to say, and he's been around for hundreds of years. So reading about change, really making it, you take a look at yourself is a really good start. Um, I want to tell you about another resource. I want you to write this one down. This is one of my favorite things that I often give clients to listen to. It's a book, very short, sweet book, a parable um, by Spencer Johnson, MD, and it's called Who Moved My Cheese? That sounds really funny, but it's a very simple story about these four beings that are in a maze and they have cheese in there. And one day things change. 
and the story evolves from there. So you start to take a look at what is change and how do you do change and which one of those four personality types are you and how you embrace change. It's a very cute story. You could listen to it with your kids and you can look at yourself. So it's called Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson. It's a book. It's an audio CD. Um, and it's, it's good. It's one of my favorites. So let's take a look at why do we resist change? Because that's one of the most important things that gets in our way. We tend to see change as a threat. A threat to what? Our stability, our comfort zone, um, who we are as a person. Uh, it is a threat that we're going to feel loss and grief and abandonment, it's important for us to look at why we resist change. So stop and think of the last time you were faced with change. Maybe it was a change in a job. Maybe someone broke up with you or you broke up with that person. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was a loss, like a death of somebody. Grief. What happened to you that was a change that you resisted? Now, so define the change first. What was it? And then what did your resistance look like? And how did that help you? And then go all the way to what was the outcome of this change? Let's say it was something simple that we can define simply, like you were let go from a job. The company closed. They laid everybody off. It was no fault of your own. But all of a sudden you're out of work and you're looking for something different. How would that affect you? And how accepting of that would you be? How angry? How scared? So change can be sudden and totally out of our control. Change can be, we can see it coming and we don't want to deal with it, so we close our eyes. Change can be of our own making. You decided to quit and take a different job. Change can be heartbreaking. You love that job. You thought you were doing a good job. You get fired for something that you don't even think was fair or your fault. And so now you've got grief and loss and anger and confusion. Change is an instrument of feelings. And what's really important is to not confuse the feelings that you have with change with the change that's occurring. So if you can write down, this is what happened lost my job. Then you go from there. What are the changes that occurred with that? Does it make a change in your financial stability? Does it make you unable to pay your car payment? What happens? So put down the changes that occur and write them down objectively. Then separately write down how you feel about these things. Because one of the things I see people mush all together is change will happen whatever it is, little or big, and they will have it all mushed together with how they feel. You have to separate those out so you can deal with the change and then you can deal with the emotions. And sometimes you need help. I think of therapy sometimes as a tour guide. You need somebody to help you sort out how you are responding to the changes that are happening in your life. And how do we have some acceptance of that? So, The purpose of this show today is to not only help you look at what happens with change in your life, 
how you resist it or how you embrace it. But what are some effective ways to look at change, analyze it, and move forward in a way that's productive and healthy and doesn't leave you stuck? Now, you've heard me talk about the difference between being in a place of love where you're calm and comfortable and things are going well and then being catapulted over to a place of fear where you worry about rejection and abandonment and all the things that you're trying to keep control of. And that's what happens when we face change. Can we face change by staying calm and comfortable? Do we have to get afraid of the change? Some people have never stopped to think. Do I have to get afraid when I change? They just think it's part of the package. So why do we res- why do we resist change? That's a really important thing to look at. Do we have personal rules about change? When things change, I don't like it because, or I don't like things to change because I get very comfortable in my routine. And when things change, all of a sudden my routine is different. When we have those kind of rules and we have those kind of comfort zones that keep us, we think it keeps us steady, but what it does is often keep us stuck, then how do we deal with it when it changes and we have a loss of power and control? So I want you to stop and think, how do I do change? Do I resist? Do I like it? Do I create change when things get too comfortable, too known. Like We've all known people that they're in a relationship and as soon as things get comfortable and settled and they really are feeling good about it, they might break up with that person just because they can't stand it being comfortable. They want it to change. So change actually comes in a series of stages. And when we, we're going to go to break. When we come back, I'm going to talk to you about those stages so you can begin to really define it. So get a pen and paper out because you you're going to write some of this down. All right, we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You're listening to Randy McGinnis, Native American flutist. He's won tons of awards, plays all over the world. His CDs are incredible. You can go to randymcginnis.com and take a look at his music, and you can buy his CDs there, or you can download them from all the different platforms that download music. It's great. Okay, this is Dr. Patty, and we are talking about change. So I want to break down the idea of Embracing change by separating it all out. Because one of the biggest problems I see is that everybody's all lumped together with what's changing and how they feel and they're all muddied up with it. And then they get short-circuited or they completely resist and get angry that the world or someone or God is expecting them to change. So let's break this down. Break out your pencil and your paper. One of the first things that has to happen is that you've got to think about it. Okay, I mean, that sounds obvious, right? Change just happened, and you're faced with it. It's right in your face. Or you are thinking about wanting to create change. So whatever it is, you have to realize that it has to first be in your thought process. So think about the change. 
either the change that just occurred to you or a change that you are trying to create and make happen in your life. But if you can't write it down, then you're not clear. So think about the change. Um, now, let's say it's something more esoteric than um, concrete, like you lost your job or somebody died or something like that. Let's say that you're you're changing in your life. Like my mom, who died a couple of years ago, said, growing old is not for weenies. And what she meant was getting older, everything's slowing down, um, people making decisions for you, walking with a walker, worrying about falling. Those are all things that were changes for her that were not in her normal wheelhouse of behavior. So those are subtle and a little more esoteric, meaning um, some abstract kind of thing we're, we're thinking about. So let's say the change that's occurring is slowly coming upon you that you're getting older and it's scaring you. You don't like it. You look in the mirror and you see wrinkles or something you don't like. Those kind of changes can creep up on us. And when we have an awareness of them, they're in our face, then we can get overwhelmed. So that's what I mean by when you think about what the change is, something that is happening to you out of your control or something that you are hoping to choose. Maybe you want to sell your house and get something different. Maybe it's time to get rid of your old car and look at buying something different. Uh, I want you to be able to write it down. So then once you say, here's a change that is occurring to me or that I would like to create, a change I'd like to create, then you have to recognize you've got to decide about it. What do I want to do? Which direction do I want to go? Is there anything here under my control? Remember the serenity prayer is to accept the things we can change and do so and to accept the things we cannot change and the ability to know the difference. That's just a quick summation of the serenity prayer. But that's what we're talking about here. So you're going to decide, can I be the master of my change here? Or do I just need to go along for the ride? Then if you're going to create change in your life, you need to prepare. You need to work on it. You need to decide what preventative things can you do, what information can you learn about it, uh, what can you read on it. So you're going to prepare to create that change. Then you actually have to do something. I know some of you are smirking because that's where I see people get short-circuited a lot. They want to do something. They kind of think about it and decide, I'm going to do that. Then they start to sort of prepare for it. But then you have to actually do it. And then here's the next step that's really important. You have to keep doing it. I don't mean to sound sarcastic, but first off, if you don't do it, nothing's going to change. And then if you do it, but you don't keep doing it, nothing's going to change. So if you think about it clearly, if you make clear decisions, if you prep for the change to occur, and then you do it, and then you keep doing it, then you're going to achieve your goal. All right, let's let's put it in a, a concrete example. I deal a lot with eating disorders, and I also deal a lot with compulsive eating and obesity in my practice. So I often hear people that say, I really want to lose weight, I need to lose weight, my health, for my health I need to, for my family, 
um, I, I really want to do this, and I'm trying to figure out a way to do it. And I've tried, most people who lose weight have tried tons of times before and gained, lost it and gained it, lost it and gained it. It's really easy to lose 20, gain 30, lose 20, gain 30, lose 20, gain 30, until you're looking at a huge number that you need to lose. So how to actually create the change in your life so you create the better health that you're trying to create is very difficult. And it's one of the reasons that weight loss industry is so prolific, and there's tons of them out there, and they all promise quick weight loss. And you notice they don't make any promises about keeping it off because the ability to lose it and keep it off is very difficult. But I see people struggle with the change of doing this. So they'll think a lot about, I need to drop X amount of pounds, Um, let's say 20 pounds, let's say 100 pounds. I need to get healthy. I'm not going to be around here for my kids. Um, Think about it. How many uh, severely obese 60-year-olds do you see? Not very many. How many severely obese 50-year-olds do you see? Not very many. And you see almost zero 70, 80-year-olds who are significantly overweight. I'm talking about morbidly obese, which is not... They're trying to lose 20 pounds. They're trying to lose 100 plus pounds. So you're kind of getting awareness of that. You're thinking, I need to begin to change this. So you start thinking, yeah, i got to do something. And maybe even you prepare. You sign up for a program, fill in the blank with a bunch of different programs. And then you actually sign up and you maybe go to a meeting or you get online and research. And then you actually buy some foods that you're supposed to make and you kind of have this idea of, okay, I'm going to do this. And you try to get excited about it and you try to get motivated and then you sort of start doing it. Keyword in there, sort of. You sort of start doing the program. Maybe maybe at first you're really gung-ho and you're doing great. When is it like you to stop? Did you even get that far of not only just thinking about it but deciding preparing to do it, and then actually beginning to do something. And if you did begin to do it, did you keep doing it? How long did you keep doing it? And then once, let's say you did do well, and you prepared for a program, and you really got into it, and you were doing it, and you were losing the weight you wanted to lose, and you are feeling really good about yourself. When did you stop? Or did you keep doing it? Did you achieve what you wanted to achieve? And if you did, momentarily, which people often do, they'll have a moment of achievement, and then they just go back to how they used to eat, and they'll back up to exactly where they were. So did you do it? Did you keep doing it? And most of us can look at any diet that we've been on over the years and say, yeah, I did really well for a while. Forced off 20 pounds, felt really good, and I was there for like five minutes. And then when that wasn't going to keep it forever, they slowly started gaining the weight back. So that's a really good example of how we go through the process of trying to change for something we really want and we really believe in, but we can't keep it going and keep the changes happening because we stop doing the it whatever the it was that created the change. 
the thing that we're talking about here, too, is the difference between lifestyle changes versus temporary changes. That's really important. When we, if we use the dieting example, we prepare what we're going to do and we start doing the program, whatever it is, do we actually make lifestyle changes and begin to do things very differently or do we force our behavior into a new little box that we can't maintain? How do you get a lifestyle change versus a permanent change. It's the secret to the whole issue, isn't it? If you're going to make lifestyle changes, you have to alter more than the problem. You have to alter your thinking and your behavior. So your desire to change isn't enough. You have to not only desire it, but you have to decide, I'm going to do this. And if you don't create the lifestyle changes that make you keep doing whatever it is you're doing that creates the change, then you're not going to create the the permanent change. It just isn't going to happen. Like, for example, if you only get into an exercise program when you're trying to diet and force off 20 pounds and all of that stops at the same time, you've not created a single lifestyle change. It just doesn't, doesn't happen. And then you go back to where you were because you don't maintain the different behavior. So when you listen to Who Moved My Cheese, the Spencer Johnson book, and you stop to say, which one of those four characters am I? How do I accept change? How do I deal with change? How do I create a different mindset about now things are different? It's really eye-opening to figure out how you sabotage yourself from creating the change that you truly desire. Every severely obese person I've ever dealt with really wants to be different, wants to lose weight, wants to be healthier. They truly desire that. But so much is in the way of them changing their lifestyle that it's very hard for them to create the change and then maintain the change. So it, if you're catching what I'm telling you here, it isn't about the change you want to make losing the weight, getting a different job, buying a new house, changing cars, getting into a relationship, a healthy relationship, getting rid of an unhealthy relationship. It isn't about the change. It's about how you understand it, how you embrace it, and how you begin to do the behavior differently. You follow that? So it isn't about the want to. It's about the action. And so many people get short-circuited on the action. All right, we're going to go to break, but I want you to be thinking, where is your weakness in those stages of change? Where do you short circuit? Do you never even try anymore because you know you can't pull it off? Or do you you start to do it and get all gung-ho and you're really good at it and then you let it go? Where do you short circuit? It's an important point. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You're listening to Randy McGinnis, Native American Flutist. Thank you, Randy, for letting us use your music on this show. It's beautiful. It's so soothing to people. 
This is Dr. Patty, and we're talking about change. And I want to share with you, I was, sometimes when I'm trying to figure out what do I want to do my show on today, and I'm really watching the world, watching my life, watching others' lives, I listen to what clients have come into the office with, and I'll, I'll tend to see a theme over time. And then that's the thing that I'll generally choose for my Saturday show, because i want it to be universal. I want it to speak to as many people as possible to create healing out there. And so um, I was teaching a flute workshop up in Montana with a bunch of other fluties. That's what Native American flutists all call ourselves. Uh, Randy McGinnis was teaching and a bunch of other really, really neat people who have incredible skills. So we're teaching this flute workshop. And one of the things I really wanted to impart to people in my portion of what I was teaching was that we are not responsible for how people perceive us. If they like, if I'm playing music, I'm not responsible for whether you like the music I'm playing or not. I need to play my music and do the best I can with what I'm playing. But if you don't like it, I can't be responsible for that and I can't make you like it. And it's like that with everything. We can't make someone like us or make someone love us. We can't make you like my music if they don't like how you look or something like that. It just is what it is. So do you need to change who you are to try to make everybody happy? And sometimes that's where this resistance comes in when I'm asking, what's your greatest weakness to change? Are you angry that someone is expecting you to be better or not change, or do something that makes them happy? And do you feel resistant to that because you know it's not your job to make to change to make them happy? It's something to think about because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be what we think others want us to be, whether it means how you play your music or how you work or what you look like. Are you responsible for how they feel about you? And if you do feel responsible and irritated by that or downright angry, does that get in your way of creating the changes that you want to create? And I'll give you an example of that. Um, it, this is not an unusual example either because with a lot of people that I deal with that struggle with compulsive eating or just struggle with weight issues, this is a common theme. Um, typical example of this is a woman will say to me, my husband bugs me constantly about how I'm fat. Now, he doesn't actually say you're fat, but he tells me things like when we first got married and you were so much thinner or makes snide little remarks sometimes or makes big butt jokes or he thinks he's being sarcastic and funny, but I could tell he really doesn't like my weight. And sometimes he even actually says that. So he wants me to lose weight so that I look better so he's more attracted to me. And that pisses people off. I see women all the time that are go, you know what, if I start to do something and do something different and lose weight just to make him happy, that makes me mad. And why does that make someone mad? Because she wants to be loved for who she is, not what she weighs. Is it real that sometimes we are more attracted to ourselves when we feel like we look better? Yes. Is it real that other people might be attracted to us more if we fit a certain social image? Sure. But that's not what happens. That's not the mindset. The mindset is, 
I will love you better if you lose weight. So then if you lose weight, you have bowed to that criticism and you feel like you are not being loved and you'll be darned if you're going to lose weight and follow that prescription that somebody has given you. Do you see the push-pull in there? You might even want to lose weight to be healthier, but you don't want to because you're not going to give that other person the satisfaction to say, I got her to lose weight. Look how much better she she looks. Look how much better she is. So I hear that dilemma in my office. And the thing that short circuits is that person's ability to create change in their life for themselves. So the really important piece I'm giving you here right now is who is the change for? If the change was thrust upon you, like you got laid off from a job that you loved and the company closed and you got laid off and the change is immediate and thrust upon you and you're struggling with that, what do you do? But what if it's a change that is of your own making, your own creation and your own decision to do or not, such as getting healthy, losing weight, um, getting your house cleaned up, decluttering. Think of all the simple changes that we think of sometimes for ourselves. Why don't they happen? What is in your way from changing? And one of the first things to look at is that issue with making a decision to change. Who is it for? Is it for you or is it for someone else? Now, the ironic part is sometimes if the change we're trying to create is for someone else, we do better than if it's for us. Like using the weight example, just to carry that forward. If you're going to lose weight because if you don't, your diabetes is worse and you're, you're starting to have heart issues and you, Dr. Patty just scared the what bejesus out of you by saying how many obese 60-year-olds do we see? Uh, what if you're going to do it for someone else, like your spouse or your kids, or to be there longer? Sometimes that's motivating to people. But i got to tell you, if that's your only motivation, when the going gets tough, it's hard to keep going. So who is change for is extremely important. When it is for you, you have deeper, more long-lasting motivation. Now, is it okay for you to have motivation to want to change productively for other people, like to keep your job or to be a better employee or to learn a new disciplinary tactic for your kids that's healthier than the one you've been using. We can think of a million examples. Is it okay to want to do something for someone else, but to feel motivated to create that change within yourself? Yeah, it's powerful. The more decisions we make about the change we want to make and what we want to make the change look like, And what are the reasons for that change? The more they include your wishes and desires and your focus, the more you will create lifestyle change that actually can be long-lasting. So the, the first therapeutic issue that I deal with people when they come in is, so tell me what happened. And they almost always come in with something that changed. A job, a relationship lost, a death... I was going along in my life, things were okay, and now there's change. Or it can be long-term. I changed when something happened. Think of a PTSD trauma sort of thing. I changed, and I've never found myself again. A lot of what therapeutic issues are about is this word, change. 
change forced upon us, change that we tried to do and couldn't, change that traumatized us. So wrapping your head around what was the change, be able to define it, or what's the change that I desire, and wrap your head around that so you can define it. And then what's in my way? What part of me is in my way? And what would happen if I let go of that? You've heard me talk in my other shows about five steps to change that are similar to what I was just listing for you, those different stages. And these are worth writing down. The five steps to change are that you must suffer. Sorry, but that's what the human condition is about. When we suffer, we are on a path to change. So suffering can be of your own making or it can be thrust upon you by whatever is in your world. But we have to have awareness of the suffering. So once you become aware that something's not right, then you have decisions to make. What do I want to do about this change? Now, you can just have a wobbly, stomp your feet, get your boo-boo lip out and cry and say, they made me do this and I'm mad. But that still is not going to create the change that's in your life. That's actually part of the resistance. When we get so emotional and upset and justified and angry about changes that are occurring in our life that are out of our control, that just sticks us in that spot. It doesn't help us move on. So we have to suffer. We have to have awareness of the suffering. Then we have to make decisions about how we want to handle it. Once we make those decisions, we actually have to take action. That's the part I was saying that you have to do it before. You have to take action. Then you have to keep doing the action in order to create change. Now, if we put this back into the idea of getting healthy, I'm suffering with my health. I'm suffering with weight. I'm suffering with um, the diminishment of my relationship, the worry about growing old, the diabetes, the lung problems, the heart problems. And I'm aware of these problems. A lot of people are very aware, but then they get stuck right there. I'm deciding that I'm going to do something about it. I've made this decision before, but I never really got anywhere. So be concrete. What is your decision? And then when you go to take action, you've got to create action that you can keep doing and not just do a little bit and then stop. And then you'll begin to create change. At any time that you stop the action that you chose to do, you will go back up to the top and begin to suffer again. So now let's put that in any framework, not just wait. Do it with a relationship, with your parenting, with a job. Um, do it with uncluttering your house, keeping your yard up. I don't know, pick something that you've wanted to create change about and stop and look at those steps. All right, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, I want to give you some skills to actually create some lifestyle changes. We'll be back in a minute. Gotta love a didgeridoo. This is Dr. Patty. This is from The Journey, Randy McGinnis' fifth CD. And it's a really cool CD. You'll like it. 
All right, we're talking about change and why do we resist it so much and why is it so hard and why can't we keep it going and why, why, why? Change is so hard. I think we all feel like that to some degree. But what I'm talking about is how do we not fight change when it happens to us? How do we embrace it? How do we start change when we need to? And why is it so hard to keep it going? What I want to give you is a couple of skills here to begin to do change differently. I really want you to check out Who Moved My Cheese by Dr. Spencer Johnson and learn from that because that thing has stuck in my head for years ever since I listened to that. I just love it. It's brilliant. But let's look at what keeps you from making the change, making it keep going, and then feeling like you have stepped into a place where you are renewed and different. And that's the piece that so many don't get. So first you've got to look at your resistance to change, whatever it is. Pick a change that's happening in your life that has either happened and you don't have control of it or one that you would like to create in your life and have control over. What is the resistance? Why are you dragging your feet? What's stopping you? from either embracing the change that has happened or creating the change that you want to, to take and happen. Once you figure out what your resistance is, what your fears are, and many times the fear about embracing change is what if I can't pull it off? What if I again force off 20 pounds and gain back 30? I've done that so many times. And you're afraid of the failure and the afraid of the disrespect you feel about yourself when you do that. So you end up not trying at all because it's safer. You're not going to feel bad about yourself. Looking at those issues can help you get out of your way. But let's say you're going to try again. You're going to try to get healthy again. Let's use that example because it's a very concrete one. What are you going to do differently this time? How are you going to create some lifestyle changes instead of just faking it? I'm going to muscle myself into this box and do it like that and eat healthier and lose weight. I'm muscled in this box, but in the back of the pantry is still the package of Oreos. That's not going to work, is it? So are you attempting change and then faking it, hoping that it your behaviors on the outside will carry you forward somehow into this land of different? Are you not integrating the changes into your life? It's a really important place to look because that's where change short circuits for many. They have good intentions. They've thought it out. They've prepped really well. They've made a decision. They're taking action. They're doing great. But they're faking the lifestyle changes that go with creating long-term change. I want to give you an example of having having been at this flute workshop over the last couple of weeks. Um, there was a guy in there, that, a neat guy. I really liked him a lot. But he said, it was, a, it was about three years ago because he gave an exact number. And he said, about three years ago, I decided I was going to stop whining about being better at playing my flute. I was just going to start doing it every single day. So he had a number. It was like 1,600 and something. I don't remember the exact number. Sorry, Bear, because it was a great number. 
But I remember thinking in my head, wow, he's done this for well over three or four years. He he plays flute every single day. And then he kind of adds a number to his total list. And now, after years of doing this, he's, an, he's a very good flute player. He sounded beautiful. He had great stuff. But it, he decided to stop not doing it and to start really doing it. So he said, every single day it is my intention to play my flute. And he has. And what's cool is he keeps track of the number. So it's reaffirming to him. And now after doing this for so long, he doesn't want, it's very much in his habit repertoire. He would be making a change that would be detrimental to him. And he would be losing his number if he didn't play that day. But that simple of an idea of, I'm going to do this every single day, whether something gets in the way or not, whether I want to or not, whether I don't feel good or not, I'm going to play my flute every single day. That's the example of embracing change and making it part of your lifestyle. That's the piece that many of us are missing when we go to create a change and make it long-lasting. So I started to tell you about when I was thinking what I wanted to do this show on this week. And last night, I wasn't, I had a couple ideas of what I wanted to do, but I wasn't solidified in it yet. So when I went to bed, I did prayers like I always do. And I said, give me some direction. You know, if, if there's a topic you think is worthwhile for right now, I'm listening. And, and then I really like to listen. Well, I woke up this morning with this phrase, be the change. It came in a dream. It's not a unique phrase. I'm not saying I invented it. If you Google it, you find cool things on be the change. But be the change resonated in my head. And I really laid in bed this morning and thought, how can we be the change? It isn't just about change happens. It does. Sometimes we're in control of it. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we create the change. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're better at it. And sometimes we suck at it. But if we be the change, how is that different? How does that actually make us more successful? When we're going to actually be something, all of a sudden our attitude changes. So let's look at people that want to play an instrument. They'll say, I want to be a guitar player someday. I want to be able to play piano. I want to be better at my flute. What you're saying is it's not here right now. If you are going to be the change, you are embracing it as if it is right here, right now. When this man I'm sharing with you, Bear, said, I'm going to play my flute every single day. He didn't say, I want to be a better flute player. He didn't say, I want to consider myself a musician who practices every day. No, he said, I'm going to play my flute every day. He was being the change. And I think that is a subtle and important piece that we all miss. How can we be the change? Not just talk about it, not just wish for it, not be disgruntled when it happens to us, not hate the path of eating differently or exercising now or getting a new job or whatever. How can I be the change? How can I embody it as if I have embraced it 
and I have accepted it. And I think that's the difference between a lifestyle change that you've incorporated into yourself and a trying to muscle your behavior into a box that makes you different. So the, the mantra might be, I am the change. I am being the change. Be the change. And then what you're doing is seeing yourself differently. If you want to be a good guitar player, don't just keep wishing for it. Be the change. Play your guitar every single day. Pull up stuff to enlighten you, to teach you, to expand your knowledge, and be the guitar player. If you want to be healthier, be the change. Embrace the lifestyle that makes you move more, eat healthier. And little little lifestyle changes, like park your car a mile away from your office, walk there. Um, take the stairs instead of the elevator. Pack your lunch. Stop going out. Uh, really mean it when you say you're not going to eat fried food anymore. Uh, be the change. So if you've learned anything from today's show, what I want you to get is that change happens. Often not what we wanted or predicted. Often comes out of left field. It's not in our control. And sometimes it is in our control. We can choose to create the change in our life. But change happens. It isn't about the change, everybody. It's about how we view change. How do we accept it? How do we deal with it? What happens if somebody creates change on you? What happens if they move your cheese? You'll know what that means when you listen to move my cheese. If your cheese gets moved, what do you do? Do you sit around having a temper tantrum, having a wobbly, being all disgruntled and angry? Or do you embrace the change and go with it? What happens when you want change in your life? Do you drag your feet? Do you not want to do it because it's going to make somebody else feel like they won and made you do the change? Be the change. It's really important. So, stop and think of what you want in this life. And go forward and be the change. This is Dr. Patty, Dr. Patricia Bay, and you've been listening to Therapy in a Nutshell, where I really just want to help heal the world one hour at a time.
The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.